Welcome back into Hawks Talk, the official podcast of your Upper Valley Nighthawks. And uh, this week we're joined by both podcast members, me and Binky, then here alongside Jonah Krell and Patrick McCall. And guys, how are we doing this week? Oh, we're hanging in there, that's for sure. You know, just the, the Nighthawks and us with the, the travel and, and just all sorts of adjustments, we've been through a lot, but um, no, it's been exciting and like I said, a lot of adjustments, but it's been a wild ride. I don't even know if I'm hanging in there anymore. <laughs> it's this weather is really getting to me. Like the, traveling with the team is like a lot already, but having like multiple delays it seems like every single day. It's it's just a lot. Yeah, this team seems almost cursed with how many rain delays, rain postponements. Um, I mean, we don't have to go further than today and yesterday. So, recording this on Sunday today. The scheduled Game 4 of the Governor's Cup and a lot of hype going into it. Pack the Max night. A lot of things were, you know, scheduled in high anticipation. And, you know, go figure, that game gets washed out. And then just a day ago, down in Holyoke, Massachusetts, against the Valley Blue Sox, we're able to get two games in somehow, some way, despite three weather delays over the course of two games. And there, there's just no other way to put it. This team has just had the worst luck with weather. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny. Uh, I was really looking forward to the doubleheader against Valley because the first game started at 3, and uh, and then the next game would have been around 5.36. And then, of course, those games, as I look back at my uh, my scorebook here, um, 3.05 in the first game, and then um, a three-hour-plus game in the second one. So, uh, yeah, we, we've been through a lot. This team has... It, it just I can't imagine what the players have had to go through frustration upon frustration let's I mean let's just go right into last night um, as there were three total lightning delays um, the first one stopped the game stopped game one as we had about uh, an inning and a half left I believe and um, and then in game two there were two lightning delays so just very unfortunate circumstances. And on top of all that, uh, the Nighthawks got swept. Um, just, it looks like they were tired. Like, it, that had to be, I was talking to Dylan Palmer after the game, he just, they're tired. Yeah. I mean, they have been through a lot, and uh, they looked a little sluggish, I'll be honest. Yeah, I was talking to both coaches after the last game, and they both said that, you know, with earlier in the season with all the rainouts, the doubleheaders are really starting to, to affect the team. You know, when they play this many games, Chad said it's really affecting the arms and the way he has to schedule them. And then, like, yesterday when we had a couple delays, you know, he had to pull guys out before he wanted to, and that really affected the team. So it's really starting to take shape of how all this weather is affecting the Nighthawks. Yeah, that was most clear in Game 2 when Jordan Golden was really dealing for the Nighthawks in his first start. Three and two-thirds, scoreless, only allowed two hits while striking out four, and then the the lightning delay. Now, granted, the first one was fortunate. It happened before he threw a pitch, so he just all he had to do was just get warm again. But then the second one was in the midst of his outing, had to be pulled, and then Chase Adams comes in on short notice and doesn't have his best outing. Although you look at uh, both that game and game one as well, there was some good pitching performances despite the lack of results. Both Hunter Reynolds and Russell Hunter, along with Jordan Goldman, pitched really well. Russell Hunter, most notably, five strikeouts and only an inning and two-thirds. Yeah, uh, he was really impressive. That's something we've been waiting to see 
in terms of the bullpen stepping up because we've seen it in the last few games. We saw Pat Gardner play really well. That's been um, really encouraging after some early struggles from this bullpen when the starting pitching was really carrying the squad. Yeah, but I think in a lot of the games, we have yet to really you know get consistency with a full game with the pitching, and that's just been happening nonstop, especially now with the weather delays. We can't even have our like best pitcher in for the amount of time he needs to be, so we just need to get a full game going. Yeah, it's just tough luck in that doubleheader with both the weather and some of the performances, but let's go back the day prior, which also made things more difficult, back-to-back doubleheaders. Now, that is also something the team kind of has to get used to. We got two more of those later in the season, but back-to-back doubleheaders. The first one was a split against the Danbury Westerners. They ended up winning the season series. The Nighthawks end their West Division slate going 500. They uh, winning the season series against both Danbury and North Adams, dropping the season series against Bristol and Valley, but... Uh, we look at the the uh, games against Danbury, a two to one loss in game one, but bounce back really nice and get a five to three win to clinch the season series. Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde a little bit um, from this team in in both of those games. Uh, the first game, uh, the pitching was pretty strong. Luis Misla and Randall Alejo, um, and then the, of course they only give up five hits, two runs, but the offense sluggish as well they only had five hits they left six on base and uh didn't really get anything going as Danbury had their way uh pitching wise but in game two you look at that much better offensively um guys contributing at several points in the game you know that's something we've seen throughout the season is too many spurts not enough consistent offense and they are able to play um runs in four of the seven innings so much more encouraging there yeah, you know, going into the game, when I saw Luis Misla was going to start, I was like, all right, we got this one in the bag. You know, he's been on fire. And then, you know, when Randall comes in, it's like, all right, this is going to be one of the complete games. You know, the offense just has to get going, and it just it didn't. So then in game two, we saw a lot of standout performances on the mound. Teddy Tolliver was phenomenal. Only one unearned run allowed over four and a third while striking out a career-high eight batters. It's the most he struck out in his collegiate career. And then on the offensive side of things, Darius Myers just tore the cover off the ball. Uh, four for four, although he did have to lay out some infield singles. But, you know, you keep on writing it down. Single, single, single. He's just a on-base machine. I was going to say, I have to correct you. Ian. Yeah. Tear the cover off the ball. I don't know about that. When he had three infield singles. But uh, the hustle he plays with, the, the ability to make those uh, routine plays into hits for him and, and put some pressure on the defense with his speed. Um, it's just tremendous what he's done. Uh, another four hit game. That's the second of the summer. He just continues to hit and get on in different ways. Hey, all I got to say about Darius Myers is he attacks the game. So the game doesn't attack yeah. him and it's been showing. <laughs> it's been showing. So it's just, you know, this team trying to find some consistency here as we hit the home stretch of the season, the calendar flipping firmly now to July had some time off here uh, after this next game, kind of looking in retrospect, but a 7-6 to six win over the Valley Blue Sox. It, they kind of got their dose of the Blue Sox here in this week. Three games against them ended up falling 1-2 to two in the season series. But, uh, you know, this game was a lot of sign of promise. An early lead kind of evaporated, but 
uh, came back, did not give up, and ended up being the most unusual way to win a ball game. A lodged ball ended up scoring the winning run. A wild game. I think this was probably the most exciting game um, that the Nighthawks have had this season. It was tied tw- uh, at two different times in this game, earlier in the game in the third inning, and then Valley put on three runs in the seventh to tie this game and, and make it interesting. Um, again, it looked like the Nighthawks had this one in the bag, but uh, the pitching at the end of the games, that's been a concern this season, um, unraveled and allowed Valley to get back into this one. But like you said, the lodged ball, um, I've only seen that once before, um, in a, actually an ASU baseball game, um, where ball got stuck in an umpire's pocket. But uh, in this one, yeah, it got it got stuck in the in the chest protector of the catcher for Valley Mason Wolf. Very un, unusual, unfortunate for them, and somehow Upper Valley squeaked away with a win. Nick Monastere, a big save with runners, uh, two runners on base for Valley, a chance to win that game. So again, they made it interesting, uh, but like they've done all season, they pull out close games. Yeah, of course, in the one game I miss, it's the most exciting game. Sorry, so, Pat. Yeah, you know, it's all right. <laughs> oh, yeah, the bullpen, uh, there was some rough going in it for uh, Chase Adams in that one, but around him, it was a really strong performance. Pat Gardner in his first performance with the Nighthawks, three and two-thirds scoreless, and then also uh, Christian Howe, Nate Kreider, and Nick Monaster, as you mentioned, closed things out extremely well. Scoreless ball the last three innings. And that helped cinch up the win, but also saw some flashes of power from some unlikely sources. Darius Myers, his second home run of the season. And then Chris Worcester, a ball that just stayed there down the left field line for his first home run as a Nighthawk. And trying to get those power bats going, especially in a deep yard like the Maxfield Sports Complex. It's going to be important down the stretch. So uh, that was... You know, the start of the week, and then there was also some time off for July 4th. But then the first game of the week, looking back to Game 3 of the Governor's Cup, we were robbed of Game 4 here at the Max. But uh, Game 3 was also a win for the Nighthawks, a 9-3 decision. Some big bursts of offense, three runs in the first and four in the seventh inning. And it was just timely hitting in this one that gave the Nighthawks the win. Yeah, um, 13 hits, uh, almost as good as that 14-hit performance against Bristol. Um, This goes right up there with one of the more impressive offensive performances, and it's against Vermont, who has a a ton of great pitchers. And Nolan Nolan Sparks started, too. Exactly. Nolan Sparks um, dominated the last time he played the Nighthawks earlier this season. So overall, really impressive. A four-run seventh inning to really put this game to bed. Um, again, a lot of small ball and then, um, two RBI double for Darius Myers. He had, uh, a double, a triple run scored. He was great. So all around, uh, team effort for the offense. And of course, Tommy Allman, how about him? Um, another amazing start for him goes four innings, seven Ks only gives up three hits. Um, I don't think that Vermont had a runner in scoring position until the seventh inning of this Mm -hmm. game. That's crazy. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing important to note, before this game, the Nighthawks were on a three-game losing streak, so it was a really huge performance uh, in terms of that and just like to get them back in the win column. And, you know, I kind of wish history could have repeated itself today, but of course Mother Nature, like it always does, says no. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and just going back to the pitching, Tommy Allman was phenomenal in the start, but then Evan Byers also came in three innings, did not allow an earned run. One unearned run came in to score after an error, but it, he struck out six over his line of work as well. Randall Alejo was his typical uh, sturdy self. This looked to be a complete pitching performance that we've been looking for. Hunter Reynolds came in in the ninth. He closed it out, had some struggles, but that was you know something that we'd seen before. He had not pitched in over a month and was struggling to get back into the groove of things, but then he came on for his second performance in game two of the Valley doubleheader, or rather game one of the Valley doubleheader, and looked really, really good. So he's looking to be another critical cog of this Upper Valley pitching staff, and the pitching staff starting to find its groove, starting to find guys that can consistently perform well. Yeah, and, and just uh, another uh, couple names I wanted to shout out from this game. Ethan Cavanaugh, this was his last game before going away for a little bit for um, a, a vacation. We'll see if he comes back to the team, but uh, he had an RBI single, a run scored, and a double. He was solid. Um, we've been waiting to see that offense come around. And then how about Matthew Russo, the big man from Southern Miss? At, uh, several times, it took him a while to get going offensively, but he has been called upon in runners and with runners in scoring position, and he's delivered. He had two RBIs, two singles, a walk, and a run scored. A really great game. I think his best of the summer. Yeah, like you said, Matt. He uh, he took a little bit to get going there, but you know it's expected. He doesn't play all the time at Southern Miss. But you know now with him coming on, bringing in runners, it's a great one-two punch we have at first base. Whoever we need there, so it's really gonna. That's looking like a good position. So we talked a lot about some good pitching performances this week, but now I want to take a look back even further in the Nighthawks history and think about one of the better pitchers in team history, and Cam Aldred. He made his major league debut in 2022, pitched a game with the Pittsburgh Pirates right now in the AAA system of the Pirates with their affiliate, the Indianapolis Indians. Had the chance to talk down or sit down and talk with him uh, earlier this week. Let's take a listen. Welcome back into Hawks Talk. I'm here with Cam Aldred, a Nighthawks alum from 2017 and now a pitcher in the Pirates organization with the AAA affiliate Indianapolis Indians. Cam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. So uh, let's just start with your time back in 2017 with the Upper Valley. What was your time like with the Nighthawks? How would you describe your experience? Um, easily the best summer ball experience I had when I was in college. Um, the place was beautiful, Vermont. It was sick. Uh, had a blast on every off day. Competition was good. Coaches were good. Teammates were good. It was just all around a great experience. So when you started at Cincinnati, you were a two-way player. You came as a two-way guy, but one of your first experiences as a PO was in the Upper Valley. So how what was that transition like? Uh, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a little tough at first. Um, I was lucky enough to have uh, the pitching coach Tom Hudon. Um, he helped me out tremendously. I mean, if it wasn't for him, I don't think I'd be where I am today. Honestly, he uh, he 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 helped me a lot. So, what were some things that uh, that you worked on while you were with the Nighthawks that really benefited you throughout your pro career? It was mostly just the mental side of pitching, <clears throat> which translate, uh, translated to the physical side because, I mean, it's, it's hard to pitch with low confidence when you're not trusting your stuff and, and trusting what you, what you work on. And he made it, he made it real easy to, to 
to be able to trust my stuff, you know, and uh, really transform into a PO. So, of course, everyone, you know, think about the draft and, and getting selected. What was that reaction like with your family and, and going through it all and, and getting that call eventually? Oh, it was unbelievable. I, I wasn't expecting it, honestly. I think I was uh, I think I was playing Fortnite at the time when I got the call <laughs> with the Pirates. Uh, but I was getting ready to – I think I was going to go to the Cape that uh, – that summer ball if I didn't get drafted. So I was more so focusing on that than, you know, the draft itself. So, uh, you know, some people see the New England League as kind of the stepping stone to look forward to a Cape spot. But, you know, for, for some guys like you that kind of just went to the NECBL, then, uh, you know, a couple of years later, ended up in the, in the, uh, in the minor leagues and getting drafted. What do you got to say to guys that might not have gotten that Cape spot, but might want to be striving for that summer ball experience? Yeah, I'd definitely just say, keep working. Uh, definitely be where your feet are. Don't, don't be thinking about uh, being somewhere else. Just stay where you're at and grind. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, how much fun you had on the off days. What were some of your favorite activities uh, in the upper Valley area, Vermont, New Hampshire, and uh, and getting to know the area there were some beautiful like uh creeks so we would fish a lot um there was this little spot where there was this bridge and people were jumping off the bridge into the water and it was just it was a beautiful spot um we had a great group of guys so we got a bunch of guys out there together and it was just it was a lot of fun i actually think uh i think the guys from this year went to that bridge as well i think i saw it saw some video clips so uh so some some traditions here in the upper valley that uh that keep going, but um, you know, what would you say was the the one toughest thing about playing in the Upper Valley in the NECBL? Um, the toughest thing, probably uh, the competition. I mean, the competition was was new. It was good competition. Um, you know, I wasn't really getting that consistent playing time when I was at Cincinnati, especially pitching because I was doing the two way, but. No, just trying to figure out how to get hitters out, read swings, you know, and just get dudes out. So a couple more guys from the Upper Valley have made their way to the majors. I think we're at three now uh, in the major leagues uh, that have made their debut. So kind of starting that pipeline, and, and it really started with uh, you and Ryan Jeffers. So what's it like having that lasting impact here with the organization? Oh, it's great. I mean, <clears throat> no uh... – Ryan Jeffers definitely helped me out a lot. He was a very mature guy at, at when we were that age. And he uh, you know, being a catcher, he control like he controls the game. So it was it was really fun to play with him and learn a lot from him. So uh, one more question. Uh what would be a message to anyone on this year's team that's kind of on the outside looking in on their college rosters, but uh looking to make that impact on their coaches for the upcoming season and uh and try to motivate them? Yeah, I would just say, just have fun. Give give it your all every day, like it's your last, um, and enjoy it because that time that time goes by pretty quick. That's Cam Aldred, 2017 alumni of the Upper Valley Nighthawks, and now a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. Cam, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Thank you to Cam Aldred for taking the time to talk with us and. Uh, also to the Indianapolis organization for arranging that interview. And 
Now it's uh you know it's it's been a tough week here for the Nighthawks, just the results on the field, but also off of it, a lot of delays, a lot of post, uh, one postponement, two actually, if you include the, the Mystic game earlier this week that got washed away. So just how does this team stay in a rhythm uh, going into a lot of divisional play to end the year, road games in Vermont, a ton of those, and also Sanford and Keene, still several games to play against them. Yeah, like you said, it's it's going to be a little rough because with all the rainouts we've had this season, we had two two straight doubleheaders, but that's going to be like a very often occurrence because we have a lot more doubleheaders coming up. And I was talking to Matt, I'm like, how does this affect the, the players mentally? And he said, it's going to be tough. Like, we're asking a lot out of them. And, you know, he's speaking as if we had the games today because we didn't know that yet. And he said, we just have to get through this one and, you know, we just have to turn up, turn off baseball, you know, just relax. But... We have two days to relax now, so hopefully that gets the guys prepared uh, for a rough stretch, to say the least. I think, Pat, I mean, you you touched on a big thing right there. Um, I believe, was Chad who said that? That was a pause. Okay, yeah. I mean, turning off baseball just might be the best thing for this team. Like I said, um, it's just been a, a tough stretch. Uh, they're exhausted. And this break, now they have a two-game, two-day break as this uh, Vermont game got postponed, and then Monday is off before a doubleheader against Mystic, this is an opportunity to get refreshed, get organized, um, and maybe spend some time in the batting cages, get you know, get loose, but in a, in a low-stress situation. They just need to, to chill out a little bit, take this time off, and regroup, um, because it has been a grind lately. I think this is actually good for the team at this point. Yeah, looking down this track here with the postponed Vermont game today, it looks like there's going to be at least five double headers down the stretch of the season. And I know, Pat, you're not looking forward to that. Uh, I don't think anyone really is. It's just it's just a grind here down the stretch. And especially you look on the road, uh, you got a double header down in Martha's Vineyard at the Shark Tank. And then it looks like we're going to have two double headers now in enemy territory in at uh, in Montpelier against the Vermont Mountaineers. Also, a doubleheader against the Newport Goals. That's also another long road trip. It's just, you know, a lot, a lot of miles being logged on the buses here down the stretch of the season, and also on the arms of these pitchers who are going to need to be called on here. Probably you're looking to the starters as they're starting to get into the groove now, still throwing more pitches. But you're going to look to your starters at least go five innings, if not more, in these doubleheaders. Seven inning doubleheaders are kind of a blessing in disguise a little bit, but. You know, you're still playing 14 innings in a day at the very least if you're not going into extra innings with the Nighthawks have already done this season in doubleheaders. But, uh, you know, you're at least 14 innings. You're going to have to conserve those arms. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a big test. Chad Sturgeon has had a plan this whole summer. Um, I think he's been a really, uh, really solid in terms of uh, scheduling guys, making sure that people are rested and, and making it work for the schedule. Um, he was set to have Brendan Walker on the mound for a Vermont Cup game. Um, I was looking forward to that as Brendan had pitched really well in his last appearance. I think Chad has really pushed the right buttons this season in terms of the starting pitching. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what adjustments he has in store. You know, I'm kind of looking forward to because he told me that for these Vermont games, he likes to save our best guys for those games. 
But now with all the postponements, all the double headers coming up, how is he going to weigh when guys need to throw versus when are we playing Vermont? You know? That's mm-hmm. tough. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know how that's going to work out, but Chad has a, a lot to think about with that. And the next Vermont game is not until next Sunday, July 16th. But once you get to that, you figure you're probably going to have four games against Vermont over the course of three days. A doubleheader already scheduled for the 16th. But you would imagine that also we'll schedule a doubleheader possibly on the 18th. That's not final yet. That would also make three doubleheaders over the course of four days. So maybe that won't happen. Maybe we'll... The Nighthawks will lose an off day, but uh, that's just, it's also going to be a lot of puzzle making with the schedule here at this point in the season. But uh, also, you know, we talked a lot about the pitching, but the bats also have to stay hot. And we also had the chance earlier this week to talk with Garrett Nance, the hitting coach of the Upper Valley Nighthawks, about what the team has been able to do on the field and also how he got here to the Upper Valley. This is his first year as the team's pitching coach or hitting coach rather. Let's take a listen. Welcome back to Hawks Talk. We're joined now by Nighthawks hitting coach Garrett Nance. Garrett, how are we doing today? Good, how are you guys? Good, good. So uh first year here in the Upper Valley, how are you liking it so far? Good. I mean the team is awesome. Uh coaching staff really good. Noah treats us really well. Everything's going good. Uh, Garrett, the start of the season here in the summer, a lot of teams start out slow hitting-wise. How do you say the team has performed in the start? Um, I think it's been pretty good. We've found ways to win games, and I think that's the biggest thing. I think that's what it's all about. Um, we've had our nights where it's been slow, but I think everyone will. But overall, I think it's been pretty good, and again, we're winning, so that's all you can ask for. Obviously, it's a big adjustment going from metal bats in high school, college, to uh, to wood bats here in the summer league to make that adjustment for pro ball. How do you think the guys are adjusting? Good. I think as of late, it's been really good. We're starting to find more barrels in BP and in-game, and I think the power numbers are coming along a little better. And other than that, I think the first couple weeks were a little slow. I think the first BP was real quiet, but lately it's been really good. Uh, with my talks with Matt Paws, he talks a lot about situational hitting. How would you say, uh, as the season has gone on, the team has developed in, uh, in that category? Oh, definitely. I think, um, especially as of the last couple of weeks, I think first couple of weeks we really struggled with it, left a lot of guys on. And again, we were still winning games, but I think we, the scores could have been much better. I think there were nights where we were leaving 10, 11 guys on, like multiple games a week. But as of lately, I think we're still leaving a little bit too much on, but they're not striking out. So I think the adjustment's been really well. You know, and when it comes to hitting with guys in scoring position, been an improvement. Uh, what is the adjustment that guys make? Obviously, you talk a lot about it, but what exactly changes when you're hitting with guys on? I mean, I don't ask them to change anything too much. We just want them to simplify and get the job done for the team. Uh, throughout the season, Darius Myers has been the one constant on the team, constantly getting on base and scoring. How big has he been for this team? Oh, man, it's a consistent throughout the day. And if he goes, and he goes most nights, if he goes, we're going to have a good chance to win the game. And it's kind of a spark plug, and he's done it with a couple bangs to lead off the game, and he's done it with a couple singles to lead off the game. But I think he's been really good, and he works his tail off. So that's kind of his success is coming because of that. Another guy that's really stood out is Garrett Pike. Garrett, uh, throughout the season, has said that he wants to cut down on the strikeouts and make consistent contact. And so far, last couple of games especially, he's been doing that. Uh, and he said he had to simplify his game. How have you preached that? No, kind of just like what we've said from the beginning. Like I said at the beginning, we were kind of big, and it kind of led to leaving a lot of guys on. But 
we just preach simplify, simplify. I don't, I don't ask them to change a thing. I want them to be themselves. I'm not here to see their swings for four weeks and try to change it. Um, they're good. They're all really good baseball players. So simplify and do their job, and that's what we ask them. Uh, the two new guys that have most recently come on board, Matt Russo and Austin Beck, they struggled to start. How would you say they progressed mainly Matt uh, as of late and what you hope to see from them? I had Russo last summer, and I think when he first got there, he struggled a little bit, but he had a really good summer for me last summer, and he's kind of coming into his role here now. I think as of as of next couple weeks, he'll be, he'll be slowly going. Um, again, he's not getting much at-bats at Southern Miss right now. His time's coming, but so it kind of takes him a little bit to get going. It did last summer, and when he gets going, he's a really good ball player. So you mentioned you worked with Russo last year in Newmarket, and I spent some time in Newmarket as well myself, uh, going down there on vacation. Okay. So uh, how would you describe the difference between the different levels of summer ball, both in and off the diamond? Oh, man, I think from, from Newmarket to here, um, just I think overall the pitching is a lot better in this league. Um, so that makes it a little bit more of an adjustment. Um, I think Newmarket, there was a little bit more stuff to do. So you kind of got to love it here. But um, this is definitely a much better league and a much better organization. Newmarket treated us both very well, but we are both loving it here. And then one last question. I always like to end it on this one. What are some of your favorite activities around the Upper Valley area? Oh, man, I think golf. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm a big brewery guy. So <laughs> I've been attending a lot of the breweries. Um, Actually, my wife's family's from here, so I met my wife in college up like an hour away from here, and so just being able to be here for the summer and spending time with them and not having to come up in the winter has been really nice. Uh, the weather, when it's nice here, it's been really nice, so I'm enjoying it. And it's Garrett Nance, the hitting coach for the Upper Valley Nighthawks. Garrett, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Appreciate you, fellas. Thank you, Garrett, for... Uh, talking with us here, that was before the doubleheader against the uh, against the Valley Blue Sox. It's all blurring together. Yeah, it is. It is. Just the, the rain has caused a fog both here in the Upper Valley and also in my mind. Just so much. I've, I've been hearing way too many rain songs. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, I know. It almost started as a joke earlier. Like, oh, yeah, what what are some rain songs? We'll make a rain playlist. And I, then we had, to, we had to have a thunder and lightning playlist for the yeah. Valley. So, yeah, getting creative here. Uh, thunderstruck. That's yeah. that's what the Nighthawks schedule has been. Thunderstruck. <laughs> just you know, so many games zapped off the calendar and moved elsewhere. It's just been a mess, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better here down the stretch. But fingers crossed, hoping for sunnier and better days. I will say just a, a final note on on all these postpones postponements and everything. The Nighthawks have battled through it and they have a, one of the best records in the NECBL. Like let's give them credit for what they've done with this challenging circumstances. Um they're 14 and 9. Yes, they're coming off a rough, a rough stretch, but still I believe that's that's third in the NECBL in terms of record. So they have battled through it and they're still in a good spot. Yeah, and uh, it's a tough a tough sleet this week and uh, they'll have Monday off, so back-to-back -back off days. It's been a rarity here, uh, at least down the stretch of the season. It will be a rarity. won't happen again, pending weather, as always. You have to have to note that. But after that, they are back in action on Tuesday to face the Mystic Schooners in a doubleheader 
at Dodd Stadium. It was a postponed game from this week that is being made up. A 4 o'clock start on the doubleheader there. Then Wednesday, they head up to Maine to face the Sanford Mainers. Then day off on Thursday. Friday, back at the Max to face the Sanford Mainers. First home game against Sanford. That's Friday at 6. Hope to see you at the Max for that. Hopefully. 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 <laughs> as always, have to say that. Then... Here we go. Back-to-back double headers down the stretch of this week. They head to North Shore, Lynn, Massachusetts, the site of this year's NECBO All-Star Game. We'll also play host to a double header at Fraser Field. North, uh, North Shore will be the home team for Game 2. Upper Valley, the home team for Game 1. 5.05 start for that double header. Then on Sunday, it will be another double header on the road at Vermont on Sunday at 4 o'clock, a start for that one. So a lot of games here. And again, we already talked about keeping the arms fresh, keeping the bats hot. But just mentally, how can the players stay prepared for each game? That, that's a tough one. Um, but they, they sort of just have to, regardless of, of win or loss, um, put it behind them and move on to the next game. Because like this, this season is moving by very quickly. And you know, with the doubleheaders and everything, you just have to have a short memory and, and keep moving and and not be worried too much about your playing time as well because you're going to get chances with a lot of these doubleheaders. Um, guys are going to get moved around in the lineup, so they're going to get opportunities. You just have to be ready for your moment. Yeah, I think at this point there's more games than days left in the season. Correct. So, so I think <laughs> Definitely. The, I don't even think the guys are going to have like time to really think about what they're doing. They're just going to have to grind through it, and that's what it's going to have to it's going to have to be. It's a grind. So this is one of the uh, one of the weeks, one of the few weeks left where we have several off days. And I think we are still playing more games this week than we have days because of all the double headers. But still a couple of off days. Any big plans for those days off? I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just going to try to relax a little bit and get ready for the home stretch. All right, so, yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with you guys. It's just, uh, you know, take that day as a mental break, kind of catch up on a few things here and there. But other than that, take things easy and get ready for the long road of days or games ahead. So uh, on that note, that will just about do it here for we the end of this edition of Hawks Talk. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Thank you for... Cam Aldred and Garrett Nance for joining us on the podcast this week. We'll have all so much more to talk about next week when we come back next Sunday. But in the meantime, for my for my podcast partners, Jonah Krell and Patrick McCaw, my name is Ian Banky. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. And we hope to see you either at the Max or back here on Hawks Talk when we record once again presented by the Hotel Coolidge. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.